The following is provided by Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia, and available at itunes.covenant.edu. Many times people are really kind when they speak kind words to you like Aaron has just done. Thank you, Aaron. I need encouragement a lot. When I do my ministry, I get to be discouraged by almost everything in one given day. And when you do that for me, it's a big, big help. The hymn that you have just sung with me, I don't know how you, get, you got to know that I, I love that hymn. When I met the lady now, who is my wife, I met her and I proposed to her straight away. <laughs> and she said yes, even then. Six months after that, we got married. And I chose that hymn for us at our wedding because I needed to lean on the everlasting arms of God to get to be a husband to this woman I did not even know very well. <laughs> and I'm going to be her husband, and I'm going to try to make a home for her. And I didn't know what else I would do. So I just was asking God, all I can depend on is your mighty hand to help me be a husband. On Friday, I was in Virginia talking to a couple that have been married for 31 years. And I said to them, I said, you know, even now I'm trying to learn to be a friend to my wife. And Jesus has helped me to be a learner, to be a friend to my wife. Thank you so much, Aaron, for choosing that hymn. I'm so happy. Friends, welcome to this meeting. I was asked to speak for as long as I like. And you don't ask an African preacher that sort of thing. <laughs> because you can then have an overnight here tonight. I want to promise you I will not do that at all. I will give you what can be enough for tonight. I know many of you are busy people, you want to go and study. That is true, I will not talk too much. I'll give you just what is needed for now and I just want to see how much you can take. And then perhaps tomorrow I can give you a little more if you can take a little more. If not, I'll reduce it depending on how you can. Will you turn with me to, uh, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, and I want us to look at verse 18 up to verse 22. Luke chapter 9, I want us to look at verse 18 up to verse 22. Now it happened that he, as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say, Elijah, and others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. 1998, I had the, I had the privilege to go to Lambeth Conference. That's a, that's a conference that brings all the global Anglican bishops together the bishops from the 38 provinces that represent the 70 million or so Anglicans meet every 10 years. During that time, we were invited to Buckingham Palace to meet with the Queen of England. 
very rare opportunity. Many of us were so curious as to want to know what does Buckingham Palace look like. Some of us wanted to touch the queen if they could, shake hands with him. And so we were taken into these big buses to Buckingham Palace and we were brought out into the huge Buckingham Palace gardens with tables set up and uh, all kinds of tents with tea and all that you can eat, which was good. <laughs> but then what we really wanted was to see the queen. Lo and behold, she came with uh, the king and a big train of the nobles and people who were very important to come and greet her guests. Now, unfortunately, some of us didn't have the chance to shake hands with her. Others did. But at least I saw the queen. I took, his, I took her tea and I reached Buckingham Palace. If you ask me, have you met the queen? I said, yeah, I have. <laughs> I was in Buckingham Palace, I took her tea, I was in her lawn, I sat with the rest. And if you ask me, do you know the queen? I will say, yes, I do, because I met her. But it will not be the same, because knowing the queen is one thing, drinking her tea is another. Going to Buckingham Palace is something, but coming to understand who the Queen of England is, is totally different. There is a season here when Jesus was praying, and Jesus, friends, let me just put this to you clearly. Jesus was a man of prayer. Some of us don't treat prayer seriously. Some of us in the liturgical church, like the Anglican, we have books. We restrict our prayer ministry within the prayer book. We are people of the book as far as prayer is concerned, and therefore we cannot go beyond. If it goes beyond, we find it a little bit uncomfortable. But Jesus prayed so much. He was a man who understood the dynamics of how to do the will of God by knowing the will of God. And I do understand that as we spend time with God in prayer, it is so important for us to understand his will in order to do his will. So he was praying. And he used to pray in the public. He would pray in private. And he prayed. Now, you know, much has he prayed. I need to pray. You need to pray. And I know you and I battle this whole thing about being able to pray. And some of us find it hard to pray. And I also understood that there is nothing that Satan fights more than prayer. I will not labor that too much. But I know that for me, as a, a leader in my former diocese, we bought a whole mountain and we put up a prayer mountain ministry in 1996. And to date, one of the greatest secrets of the, the power of, of God's movement in that diocese is a praying people. Praying people do realize that one day the disciple asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us to preach. Not teach us to perform miracles. But teach us to pray. He was praying. And as he was praying, he finished prayer. Then he turned to his disciples. He asked them. He's asking for a public, popular opinion of the day. Who do the crowd say that I am? What is it that people talk about? Who do they size me to be? The disciples were quick, and they answered, they say, you know, some people say you are John the Baptist. Now, John had already been killed. 
You are John the Baptist, possibly the way he preached and the way he talked and the way he taught was as powerful and as cutting as John's teaching were. John was not a man who minced his word. He spoke, and he spoke very clearly. Sometimes he spoke so powerfully that people were frightened. Some think you are John the Baptist. Others think you are Elijah. And if you know your Bible, you do know that John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah. Elijah, the man who stood for holiness and for God's righteousness alone. At one point, he thought he was alone. He thought he was the only prophet around. God said, no, there are many others whose knees have never bowed to bow. Some people say you're one of the prophets come back from life. Maybe Jeremiah, who was a weeping prophet. Maybe Isaiah, who was a prophet of holiness. Maybe Ezekiel, who had the wheel going around and he saw. Maybe one of those prophets... Bottom line, a messenger, a mouthpiece of God. That's what people think you are. Yes, because he was a rabbi, and he was moving around, and he was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing, and he raised the dead. Prophets did that. They had the power to communicate. They had the power to communicate in figurative way. They had the power to communicate by vision. You are a prophet. I love to think that that answer was correct, but it was not Adequate. So he turned around to his disciples and said, but who do you say I am? If the public say I am a prophet, how about you? I have spent time with you. I've walked with you. I have sat with you. We have eaten together. I called you myself. We are together. Who do you say I am? Now, Peter, always quick, and I love him because Peter almost is like me. I just, I just want to fall into anything, anytime. In fact, that is where we don't agree with my wife sometimes. I am quick, I want to do things, and my wife is a bit careful, calculative, and you ask her a question, she will take her time. And when we were just married, I was really angry with her because she just cannot move with me. Peter and me, I, I really identify, he was quick. He said, you are the Christ of God. You are the Messiah. In one of the gospel writers, Jesus said, Peter, that did not come to you by human understanding. It is my Father who revealed it to you. The Christ of God, the anointed leader, savior that Jews were waiting for for all this time. You are the one. You are the one we were expecting, we were longing for, the savior of the, the whole world, anointed of God. And Jesus Christ dampened his enthusiasm. He said to them all, he said, you must understand the Messiah concept may not be the kind of Messiah you are thinking about because the Messiah that I am must suffer many things. That was not the expectation. The suffering Messiah was not the expectation. The anointed Savior of Israel must come in power, must come victoriously, but no, this is going to be one who will suffer. Why would he suffer? I come from a continent where there is a lot of suffering. I come from a country where there is a lot of pain. In the north of my country, for 20 years, our people have suffered from a rebel movement called the Lord's Resistance Army. They have done such atrocities to my people. 
They have cut the lips of people, cut the ears of people. They have cut hands of people, sometimes cut feet of people. They have raped our girls, and often these are girls who are actually related to them. They have forced young people, abducted them from their parents and took them out and made them killing machines. And when they trained them to use the gun, they would send them back to their villages to kill their nearest relative, if need be your mother or your father, so that you don't come back again to your family. They have done such a pain. July, I was among them and I saw the kind of pain they were in because they are now in camps. They're beginning to go home, hardly anything in their property. The little houses they live in are so small that there is no privacy for any family. The infection of HIV rate has gone up because there is no privacy. Everybody is huddled together. I come from a family where I come from a country where just about two weeks ago there were such floods in areas where people are in camps and they just don't know. Suffering in my country is big. But I also understand that even in a country like yours, the affluent country in America, people still suffer. Suffering is part of humanity. He had to suffer in order to identify with the suffering of mankind. The Son of Man is going to be rejected by elders, by chief priests, and this rejection is something that I again think is humanity. Jesus Christ was rejected not only by elders and the chief priests, but also by his own disciples. Do you remember that when the things were really hard, they all fell? They all ran away. The disciples whom he had been with and he taught and he was with all ran away except for John on that little hill of Golgotha. Praise God that it's only women who were around. The men were nowhere. Even Peter who promised, he said, to death I will go with you. When the time came and it was real death coming, Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. Was even frightened by a little girl and he said he did not know Christ. Friends who were supposed to stand with him in times of need even turned their backs to him. And in on the cross, beloved, that's what I find so painful. He even had to cry. He sensed the father had also forgotten. He cried. He cried in utter loneliness on the cross. And he said, my God, my God, why have you rejected me? Why have you forsaken me? There was this pain of rejection. And may I say this too, I move in a world where people are lonely, rejected, and are carrying the weight of pain in their lives. People who do not have friends who can come along them. People who do not have people to talk to. People who cannot have somebody to hold them on the shoulder and say, I am here for you. It can be a big school like yours, you're over a thousand, I think, and you can be such a lonely person you can be here and you cannot have a friend. The aspect of rejection, friends, can be so painful, so painful. I met a young woman in church in my cathedral. I saw this young woman dancing. She's such a beautiful woman, very beautiful. The Holy Spirit told me, pick on this girl. So after that dance, I wanted her, she wasn't there. I asked a friend to let her contact me. Eventually, after three weeks, she did. She came to my home and we sat together 
I began to talk to this girl because I really was told by the Spirit to talk to her. As I began to talk to her, out came slowly a very painful story. She was born out of wedlock. Her father died. Her mother rejected her. She was brought up by her grandmother. She's so beautiful. I could not understand how a mother could reject a child like that. And you know, as I talked to her, I introduced her to Jesus Christ. She told me, Your Grace, all I need is not God at this point. I need a father. Can you be my father? I said to the girl, I offer to be your father. But let me introduce you to a better father than myself, because a father like me sometimes may not even be there when you need him. Eventually, I led her to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, three years down the road, on the 14th of this last July, she graduated. She had a, she had a, she had a big party. And she was explaining what it meant to move from rejection to acceptance, to move from lack of love to love. Now, Jesus was not rejected because he was worth it. He was rejected simply because he wanted to identify with us. He could, he could stand it, yes, but it wasn't easy as a person. He was rejected. That is the Messiah he's talking to these disciples about. He was rejected, and finally, he was killed. He died. Whether it is in the rural African village or in the affluent city of New York, whether it is a highly trained intellectual to a very primitive person in the middle of Africa, every human being is frightened by death. The only thing that the scientists are still working on is how to discover life. I hear they're beginning to get close to the truth. I don't know whether they will. If we can eliminate death, Mankind will be victorious, but I think it's a mystery. He died. He died so that we may live. He went through the death for our sake, and then he rose again from the dead. That's what the Messiah is going to be. He will be rejected. He will be, re, re, uh, he will be abused. He will be beaten up. He will be killed, but he will rise from the dead. That is the Messiah. Now, this message, I believe, just passed over the disciples' heads. Who is this Christ? This is a suffering Christ. This is a, the Christ who is rejected. This is a Christ who is to be killed. And this is a Christ who, after three days, will rise again from the dead. Now, may I just bring you a little forward to see what Jesus Christ looked at himself has his ministry. His ministry, again, is explained to us by Luke in chapter 4. In chapter 4, verse 18, Luke explained to us the ministry of Jesus, the Messiah. In verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Must we know him by his mission? I believe so. In the scriptures, names depict mission. Jesus means savior. 
And that is the reason why he came to save his own from sin. But then he explains it a little bit, bit deeper to explain why he came. He said, I have come that I may proclaim good news to the poor. The poor were with Jesus in his days. The poor are with us today. Many times when you think about poverty, the quickest answer is, yes, they don't have material things. You know, we have the generosity of the American nation. And may I thank you. America is a very generous nation. You have given to many, many nations. Do you know what happens when I ask people to come to my country? They'll ask me, what can we do? If you ask us to come, what are we going to do? And I tell them it's not about doing friends. There was a woman I met in uh, Alexandria, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Washington area. He said, when I met Archbishop the first time, and he talked to us about his country, what we wanted to do for him was to write him a check. So we asked him, can we write a check? He said, no, that's not what I need. The poverty Jesus is talking about is way beyond material poverty. No, it is material poverty. It is an emotional poverty. It is relational poverty. It is mental poverty. It is spiritual poverty. It is the poverty of humanity. If money was an answer to all men's needs, rich people would not worry at all. I like to think about the way some people put it, and I love the way they put it. I want you to go with me because you know it. Somebody said money can buy a bed, but will never buy sleep. Money can buy food, but can never buy appetite. Money can buy a house, but will never buy a home. There is a limitation to what money can do. Money is not everything. So even if I have money, that's not me. I am more than money. There is that in me that needs the Lord Jesus Christ who can identify with me, who can make me be contented. Now, contentment is not in material gains only, no. I want my mind to be at peace. I want my heart to be at peace. I want to have my relationship with somebody because I want to have somebody who can look me in the eye and say, Henry, not just your grace, the Archbishop of Uganda. No, I want somebody to call me just Henry. That's why I love Aaron, because I can stand with him eye to eye, and we can just look at each other just like that. I need somebody who can treat me just like a person. Listen to me, there are many people whose relationship break. And when it breaks, you can never have anybody to repair it for you. Broken hearts are more difficult to deal with than broken bones. I'd rather that my bones break, not my heart. I'd rather that I keep my relationship, no matter how hard it is, be in it until I can see an answer, then just break it and go into perpetual pain. I came to bring good news to the poor, the poor in spirit, the poor in material. I want them to understand that the total sum of a person is not in material, for men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. The poor who are suffering conflict in their minds and they cannot sleep. There are many people who cry at night when nobody sees their tears. Pillows are wet. Good news for people like that. That's what I came for. 
And he gave it. He gave it to a man called Zacchaeus, who he didn't have a friend. Everybody called him a sinner, except Jesus. Then when Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, a short man, not a tall man, six feet, five inches like me, he could not see Jesus, so he went and climbed a sycamore tree. As Jesus was passing by, Jesus called him by name, Zacchaeus. He knew him by name. Friends, he knows us by name. The president may not know you, it doesn't matter. Jesus knows you. I may not even know you, it doesn't matter. Jesus knows us. He was a friend to Zacchaeus. He went to his home. He sat down at his house. He ate his meal. I also believe that food was bought with stolen money. I believe that house was built by money got out of corruption. But Jesus sat in that house. Jesus ate that food. Jesus never preached a sermon except the sermon of eating his food and being a friend. And that broke Zacchaeus' heart and convicted him and he got up. He said, look, Lord, half my property will go to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay it back four times. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. For this man too is a son of Abraham. He needed a friend and he got a friend. What a mighty friend, what a mighty Jesus we have. He went on his way to deal with Jairus' daughter's illness. I don't know whether it was a fever, I don't know. But on his way to Jairus' home, there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, went to all physicians, and she was losing life on a daily basis, and she was unclean because of her flow of blood. This woman could only command one little flicker of courage, that if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be okay. She met that woman at the point of her need, there was a need, a need in this woman. Secondly, Jesus Christ came to give liberty to those who are captives. In Africa, we are not keepers of pets. When we have dogs, they are watchdogs, they are not pets. When we have cats, they have to chase around rats and mites around at home. And I think the Western world finds it difficult to understand us. But when we have monkeys that eventually we bring home, we tie a rope in their waist, maybe about four meters, and then we tether them to a tree to allow them to climb the tree and to come down. Because if you don't tie them that way, they can go. I like the picture because sometimes to me, it's the, the way the devil traps us, he gives us a long enough distance to go to church, to be churchy, to look like you are, but then you're still under control, you're in captivity. When he needs you, all he has to do is pull you back, and he does it. Captivity because of sin is a thing that we cannot run away from because we are born sinners. We can be enlightened, educated, fluent in our minds, but if sin is still the controlling power in my life, I am a captive. I cannot go anywhere. That is a dilemma of humanity, captured by sin, trapped there. The prison is so powerfully strong that there isn't anybody who is worthy to open the prison gate for us except Jesus came to set us free.
free from the slavery of sin. He came also to give eyes to the blind so that they may see again. He is a light of the world. And that's why when I have the light, I can read my book. But if this light was not there, it becomes dark. My eyes are dead. He came so that the light may come into our darkness. Our darkened mind and our darkened hearts may yet see again, see better. I want to see my brother. I want to see my sister. I want to see my mother. I want to see my friends. Listen to me. Because of the darkness of men's hearts, men even became a stranger to each other on the basis of the color skin. You're white, I am black. And even that puts a wedge between us. Must it? No. I tell my people in Africa, I say to them, the wisdom of God, having put us in the tropic, he gave us a skin layer that can only manage the sun heat and the sun rays. This skin layer is beautiful. And the white man, he gave them that, that thing in order to stand the cold of their northern hemisphere. That too, he did it himself. And when you put the black and the white together, you get what the South African call the rainbow people. And it's beautiful. White is beautiful. Black is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. But you know, because of the fallenness of mankind, we have the darkness to be beautiful of God and make it a subject of contention and conflict. He came to open our eyes to discover one another. When sin came in, Cain could not see his brother, Abel. He killed him. And God came to ask Cain and said, where is your brother? What did Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? He can no longer see his brother. God said, yes, you are your brother's keeper. His blood is crying to heaven for vengeance. When my eyes are open, I discover you are a brother to me. I discover you a sister to me. I discover you are made in the image of God. You are beautiful. You are handsome. You are my brother. Although you come from America and I come from Africa, we are destined to sit one day at the feet of him alone, Jesus Christ, as brothers and sisters. My eyes must be open to see those things. And Jesus came to give those eyes. He came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. We have systems that are very oppressive. The Kampala city, where I come from, those of you who haven't been to Kampala, let me warn you before. When you come to my city, nobody keeps the highway code at all. People drive the way they like to drive. You have these motorbikes, you have these cyclists, you have these people walking around, you have these cab drivers. It is a chaotic thing. One bishop said it's not a traffic jam, it is behavior jam. People just don't behave. And so you get all this chaos and then road rage because nobody is thinking about anybody. We are so confused. Why? Because the oppression on us as a people is engineered by panic for money for cab drivers and everybody is in a hurry and we are carried in a system where we kind of jam and people are frustrated. That is the oppressive power that is on us. I don't know what it is here in this country, but I think in this country, when I look at the way people work, people work, sometimes I wonder why people have to work so hard. 
I have wondered in the city of Kampala, like in the affluent country, mom and dad are all working, and sometimes children are not looked after because mom and dad are away. People are working very hard to raise money, and it can become oppressive. I've also noticed that there is a kind of oppression in this little card called the, this card here. There is an oppressive power in this card. Have you noticed it? That it can make you spend money that you don't have. And so you're indebted all the time. The systems in our world can be oppressive. The powers of evil can be oppressive using the, the, the systems of our world. He came to give us freedom over the oppressive forces of the enemy. He did that in his day during the time he walked this planet. He is still doing it today. And then finally, he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the jubilee, the year of freedom. The year when God smiles to his people to let his people be free. The year of the acceptable time and freedom. He came to declare freedom upon his people. The, the bondage that we are in as a people is only Jesus Christ who can set us free. I want to stop because tonight I'm not going to give you too much stuff. When he gave sight to the blind, when he gave good news to the poor, when he set at liberty those who were captives, when he set at liberty those who were oppressed, and he declared the Lord's favorable year upon the land, the Messiah wanted to explain that the dawn of a new era has come upon humanity. And I want to ask you personally, who is Jesus Christ to you? I will explain personally to me, he opened my eyes to see him as the Savior and my Lord. Personally to me, I see him as the healer. When I came to know Jesus Christ, I had a lot of serious infection in my right ear, and I went to doctors after doctors. They could not treat it. They could not clear it at all. It discharged all the time. One day, I sat down, and I remember Jesus could heal. I asked him, I said, Lord, can you heal my ear? He healed my ear. From that moment to as I speak, my ear came back to total health. I was in a place, this young woman and her husband came to me. They have been married for five years. She and her husband came to me and said, Bishop, we need a baby. I asked the man, I said, are you normal? He said, yes, I am normal. I asked the woman, I said, are you normal? She said, I am normal. So I held them, and I said, God, you are the giver of babies. You are the creator of a woman's womb. You have the seed in this woman, and you have the seed in this man. Will you give them a baby? Nothing theologically complicated. You're talking to a God who listens to prayer. A year after that, I went back again to the place. 
This woman ran from wherever she was, having seen me, clutching a baby, and she ran and she came. I had forgotten, by the way. And she came and she said, Bishop, this is the baby you prayed for. And the God who is a giver and an answer of prayer had given them a baby. I was doing a mission in a place. After finishing preaching, just like I'm preaching to you, a young woman came to me and said, sir, can I talk to you? I said, yes. We went and sat down. She said, sir, I need a husband. I need a husband. I said, it is the Lord who gives husbands to people. Why don't we ask him to give you a husband? I love people who are very straightforward and not diplomatic about requests. When you know what you need, you ask what you know. I ask God, I say, Lord, peace needs a husband. Can you give him one? Can you give her one? In Jesus' name. I came back again to do mission in the same place the following year. She came to me beaming with a banana smile in her face. <laughs> she said, sir, I want you to come and preside over our engagement ceremony. I found the man. I found the man. I had the joy of presiding over the engagement and also over their wedding. That is the Jesus I know. That is a Jesus who is real. That is a Jesus who never changes. Yesterday, today, and forever is the same Jesus. That is a Jesus who is alive because he rose from the dead and seated on the right-hand side of God, interceding for the church today. That is a Jesus I proclaim, the Jesus who transforms, the Jesus who never leaves a place the same, neither will he leave a person the same, that those who believe in him will never be put to shame. No. The Jesus, when he walks into your home, he will leave that home with a change. That is a Jesus I proclaim. That is a Jesus the church proclaims. The living Christ Jesus of Nazareth. Tonight, who is Jesus to you? Let us pray. Father, I want to say thank you. As we sit where we have sat, you know our hearts. You know the questions we are asking. You know the volume of needs we carry on our shoulders. You know the hearts that is in us. Father, you know the broken promises to us. You also know the failure of many attempts that we have tried in many areas. You also know our frustrations where things have not worked where we want them to work. You understand us more than we understand ourselves. You understand us more than our parents understand us, more than our leaders understand us. You understand us. I thank you for your great understanding. When you ask your disciples what people think about you and who you are to them, they said you are the messenger of God. But you are more than that. You are the Son of God who gave yourself that we may be brought back from captivity to freedom, that our hearts may find rest in you, that our minds may have the peace of God which passes all understanding. Lord, I pray tonight 
The people in this hall, they need to know who you are, for who you are. Not Jesus who people are talking about. Not Jesus who is represented in stained glasses of our, of our churches. Not Jesus whose cross is carried about as an ornament. But the Jesus who is alive, the Jesus who walks with us, the Jesus who talks to us. I ask for revelation, Lord, even tonight, that you will reveal yourself to each one of us anew. That we may come into contact with the power of your presence. That we may know your love. That we may receive your peace. That we may receive your healing even tonight. Lord, the reason you sent your only begotten son is to demonstrate that you love the world so much that you didn't want us to die, but you took on yourself our death. Father, I sense that among us there are people who are carrying heavy burdens, and I want to ask you to remove those burdens. I also sense in my heart there are people here who have been seeking you, I ask tonight that you will reveal yourself afresh. Open eyes, Lord, that they may see you. Lord, we are going to rise or fail depending on whether we know who you are. Tonight, we want to see Jesus. We want to touch the hem of his garment to receive healing. We want to feel his finger touching us, holding us, lifting us. I speak again to somebody here who is suffering from rejection. I speak into your life the love of Jesus Christ who knew rejection and he wants to restore you to know the love that the Father has for you. I speak to somebody too who is afraid that the spirit of boldness of God may be imparted upon your life, that from now on you will not be afraid. You will not be afraid of the future, you will not be afraid of failure, but rather that God who knows your tomorrow knows how to handle your today. And I speak blessing in your life tonight. And the people of God may know the God who blesses them because he comes among them to extend the grace of God to each one of us. And we want to pray all these in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. God bless you, beloved. Thank you very much. The proceeding was provided by Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia, and available at itunes.covenant.edu.